folks. Welcome back to Near Fall Wrestling. Thank you for being with us this week. Uh, as always, I am Chris Cage, and uh, we're uh, about to bring in my co-host here. Johnny, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, obviously <laughs> fresh off the heels of a, uh, a wrestling-filled weekend, and I have so many things to talk about. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got very very many things i want to discuss it's uh it was a weird weekend to say the least being wrestlemania and you know just the way it was put on it was definitely strange strange very strange of course yeah absolutely i think that i i I think i read somebody say this is the wrestlemania that nobody wanted but it's a wrestlemania that we got and Listen, I mean, I said it as soon as it concluded on Sunday night, I I sent out a uh, tweet and said, thanks, WWE, for putting on two nights of wrestling that gave us some sort of semblance of normalcy. Right. You know, with everything going on, it was it was nice to have something to turn away from that was new to us, maybe not live, but new to us. Yeah, you know, and I and I thought I kept thinking throughout the course of two nights and, and through Monday, geez, you know, this is this is all done. Like Drew has had the belt now for what, like three weeks, like sitting in his house. <laughs> That's what it feels like. He just couldn't say a word about being champion. Yep. Um, but I will say this, that for what it was, I cannot gripe with anything. I think that it was. I mean, listen, I'm going to use the word great. I'm sure that people won't. But for me, WrestleMania 36 was great for what it was. I don't think that they could have done it better unless they shot the whole thing like the Boneyard match. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, It was definitely great for what they could do at this juncture in time. I feel it was I still feel like it might have been a little too long. There was definitely a lot of filler, a lot of stuff that they didn't need. But, you know, for for being the era we live in now, the COVID era, um, it was it was great for what they could do. And I love that they filmed numerous endings and were able to keep it spoilers by threat of firing, apparently, to keep it completely a surprise, even though it was two weeks old. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, credit to WWE and to their employees because all that stuff leaks. I mean, you you know, the the Internet is littered with wrestling dirt sheets. It always has been and it probably always will be continued, you know, after this. But they kept it a surprise and I I was impressed that they were able to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I wasn't I was purposely not going to anything that I thought might have contained a spoiler, but I didn't really see anything that would have been, hey, this is what's we didn't even know going into the nights really what the matches were. I yeah, I mean to be fair, we didn't know what the changes would be. You know, right before the Saturday night show we found out that the tag team ladder match was now a triple threat singles match. Right. You know, um, completely threw it into a loop. But you know what? I mean, it worked. You know, say what you want. You know, I know that there's a lot of, um, listen, I, I'm not going to be naive and pretend like there's not a lot of people who have complained about it and said the show was garbage and they should have put it off. Um, but you know what? I mean, here we are. We're three days or, you know, two days removed from Sunday. And even though I did read that wrestling will continue to be in a live format going forward, Raw and SmackDown will be in a live format going forward, you know, next week. He just, there was no way for them to know 
what was going to happen and how long they were going to have to postpone this. And I think there was a lot of people who were thinking, oh, well, um, how do I put it? Does does Tampa automatically get the WrestleMania nod next year? Obviously not. We saw during WrestleMania that it's WrestleMania is going Hollywood again, which is actually really exciting. But um, I almost I kind of thought they would do it to you because they had announced. I think they they were going to Hollywood like a month or two ago. I think I remember reading about that. So you, I knew it wasn't going to be next year, but I expected it to be the year after. And I wonder if they will. I mean, who knows at this point? Maybe they will. Maybe they'll go back to Tampa. They, they should. I think that that would be fair. You know, I'm I'm calling it now. Two years WrestleMania will be in the new um, Vegas stadium they're building. Oh yeah, you're probably right. We talked about it in the in the greatest wrestling chat the other day, and we were saying how it was brought to my attention how that Vegas is going to be open by then. I was like, you know what? They're going to want to set that attendance record for the building before anyone oh, yeah. else can. Yeah. Well, it's what they did in MetLife, and you know, and, and I think they did in uh, whatever the Cowboys Stadium is called. Yeah. So Vince definitely, you know, that's something that's always kind of in the back of his mind, you know, especially now with Bruce back into the fold, because I think I think that Pritchard is, uh, you know, kind of the guy who looks out for stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and he so, cares about it too, which is kind of fun. They, but so okay, so. Now, we're obviously we're you know the next thing that we're going to see is SmackDown, which I think is still a canned episode. But then after that on Monday, they're saying Monday. I think NXT or no, I think Raw and SmackDown will be live. I don't think NXT will be live. But then I read a thing today that said that like no contact is being allowed by like the ringside association of America. I don't know if that they have any say, but you know, I mean, there, there's all sorts of rumors. So I guess that kind of remains to be seen, but I mean, at this point, dude, it's changing by the hour and they're, I mean, they're rolling with it as best that they can. And they've been like it or not think it's cheesy or not. They've been consistently putting out some form of new wrestling. Yeah. And I, and, and I and listen, you know, I said it on the uh, the newly constructed website, which will be uh, going up live this week. Uh, I'm a WWE mark. And over the course of the weekend, I got berated <laughs> to <laughs> say the be, least, you know, being told you're a WWE mark. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And I'm not going to apologize for that ever. I love WWE. I've had my gripes and you'll hear on this show when I complain. Um, but through and through. WWE is going to be in my blood, you know, for the rest of my life. And I don't have a problem with that. So every effort that they're making is really important to me because it gives me mental, you know, stability at this point. And that might sound silly, but I I don't know. I mean, that's just how I feel. Well, it's nice because, yeah, I mean, with everything going on right now, it's nice to be able to just kind of unplug for a little while and feel an emotion, whether it be love or hate or a lot of times like me, just indifference to a lot of it. But it's nice to have it as an option to fill time of an otherwise quarantined life. Yep. Now, I mean, to be fair, so it's Tuesday, uh, you know, April 7th, and there was good news today. You know, they said that the um, the anticipated or the projected death amount that they were saying for this stupid virus is dropped by like 30,000. And they're expecting those numbers in this country to drop uh, significantly once the data becomes available. Um, 
and they're saying that the curve is starting to uh, starting to flatten in uh, Washington and in California where they did the lockdowns first. So, you know, there is good news in sight. And the other thing that I read that, you know, this, you know, not necessarily wrestling related or we'll get right back on topic, but I, I do want to mention this, that major league baseball met with the cdc today either in a conference call or i'm assuming a zoom conference at this point because everything is a zoom conference at this point um that they're saying that they're going to play uh sometime in may or in june and that's that's a big deal you know um you know i would be shocked out of my mind if there was a crowd but they're going to play and that's progress Oh, absolutely. You know, and we're getting closer to it, hopefully going back to regular wrestling. And I'm hoping that this, you know, it's kind of given them in all the panic, like you could you could create a brand new environment for, out of this. And yeah. I hope that they do that. And I think that that's what's happening, too. I mean, not for nothing, but I think that what's happening now, uh, you know, three or four weeks into this here for the country is that the the dust is settling in all of the media – um, hubbub, for lack of a better word, is starting to <clears throat> kind of come to light to see what stuff is being sensationalized, what stuff is being, um, you know, kind of blown out of proportion. And as soon as that stuff starts to settle, as soon as the media doesn't have control over the fear of this country anymore, then we're going to start to be able to delve into what the problem is. And then we can go back to normal and hopefully by then we'll get to hear some wrestling pops because I miss them. <laughs> oh, it's, it's definitely incredibly noticeable that they don't have that, you know, and it's, we you know we talked last week about, Oh, maybe they could kind of try to pipe something in and you know, they didn't thankfully kind of, but it was definitely the matches that took place within the ring were really, really weird because you, you've, you've grown accustomed to only hearing it one way and it's it's oddly quiet and it and the crowd not being there takes a lot away it does but i will say this that once they got on saturday night once we got to becky and shana i almost started to i stopped paying attention to the fact that there wasn't any crowd and really started to dial into listening to the dialogue between the performers and listening to the grunts and the punches and the kicks and it to me, I know it's different, but being able to focus on that and listening to the ref talk to them, you know, it was a very, it was a very unique experience and it it almost started to, I don't know, it's, it started to kind of settle. And then I, and I, I was able to ignore it and which is why Sunday, um, you know, with the with the Charlotte and uh, Rhea Ripley match, which was to me was you know we can talk about this a little bit later, but to me was the match that made all of the WrestleMania matches that were not the you know pre-taped movie matches. I thought that that was the best match. I thought that they put on a really great uh, show emotionally and. You know, being able to listen to them do their trash talk um, and listen to the pain in the, in the in the in the moves. And I don't know, it just it was a different experience as a wrestling fan, you know, and I thought that they just did an excellent job of portraying what wrestling is, you know, m- you know, minus the crowd. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you do get used to it. 
towards the middle end of a show. But that's why what you're lacking with WWE right now is they're not putting on a consistently run show every match in a row from an empty arena. They're going to clips of old pay-per-views and that is their their way to do it and that's fine but you don't get used to the no audience when it's not match after match after match. Right. And I think that that's, we've said this last week too, that AEW has done well for themselves to do wrestling in that format right now. And they started filming facing the entranceway, which WWE finally picked up, thankfully. Yes, which was excellent. And, the, you know, we should also mention that WrestleMania, you know, in the Performance Center, they they realized, oh, hey, maybe we shouldn't be surrounded by tons of empty chairs. You know, and they built up their set around the ring, you know, to kind of box it in, gave it a little bit more of a studio feel. But you didn't again, we, we're all well aware that the crowd wasn't there, but you didn't feel it as much. Uh, having that set, you know, positioned around the ring the way that it was. Right. But, you know, it's and a, and a lot of them did a great job trying to tell the story, but it's nice. And it was weird not having the electricity when you see something building and you see the like the, the you see the building ready to pop and you and you miss that. So yeah, yeah, you're right. You're waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. But they did do a great job like building the set around. You didn't feel like you were in an empty arena because I don't mind studio wrestling at all. Right. If it's done properly. So we'll we'll run down the results. I mean, it's not really necessary, but we will we'll do it. But I guess the next question that I have for you is, okay, so WrestleMania is in the books, and I think that the thing, at least at least I'm assuming that you most want to talk about is probably what your favorite match was on the card. Um, so first, I want to take again. I want to take out the the two, the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match and set them aside just for a second. And I want to know what your thoughts are, thoughts were on what your favorite match was that, that weren't those two. Um, I really, really enjoyed the clearly Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. Not easily the best match ever. <laughs> Hands down, absolute best. They couldn't have done any better. It was the perfect length. Everything was great. <laughs> um, also, did you notice that the belt was like not blue? Yeah, it hasn't. It's not. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know it's blue, but it like <sighs> it. It seemed like it was really dark blue, and I know that that's a nitpicky thing. But when Bray had the belt, it was much more like New York sports blue, like Ranger blue, Mets blue, whatever. Well, that's um, really why you liked it. <laughs> well, I mean, I just like, I like the SmackDown colors too, you know, the blue brand or whatever. But when he won the belt, I'm like, that belt is dark. <laughs> uh, maybe it got burned in these sparklers that Brock or Goldberg stands in. <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly what happened. It got singed. Oh, so his, somehow his skin didn't get burned, but the belt did. But he's hairless except this weirdly gray beard. It was, it was, I was, I, I think I messaged the chat while we were watching. I'm like, here comes Santa. Yeah. Santa with um, muscles. He's, yeah, he's definitely super, super white. Like his beard has really like gotten much, even from when he came back and wrestled Brock at the Royal Rumble, you know, back uh, when he first, you know, for this run, he, uh, he definitely got old <laughs> between oh, no. then and now, so. 
Oh, he absolutely did. But I mean, for real, well, um, favorite match outside of that, I would say I really like the uh, Randy Orton Edge match. Really? I just like because it really the story leading up to it was great. And just being a grudge match and watching these dudes fight everywhere is awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. Definitely probably went on too long, but I, I take into consideration that Edge hasn't wrestled this long of a match in a, a one-on-one match in a really long time. So oh, I yeah. feel like that was very conducive to Edge's return. It made me nervous for him being in a match that's not in the ring for the first time because, you know, obviously it's a more dangerous environment as soon as you step out of those ropes. Yeah. I'm um I'm actually going to disagree with you. Uh, I thought the match was... I, I, I didn't like it, I'll be honest. Um, I thought it was too long. I, the whole time I was wishing they wrestled some of the match in the ring. Um, what I wanted to see as an Edge fan was Edge wrestle a match, you know. And I go back to SummerSlam 02, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H in the non-sanctioned match, which was his big return match. And it was the same environment, you know, if you think about it. Uh, you know, there was a lot of outside-of-the-ring bumps and ladders and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But they wrestled in the in the ring, and it wasn't this straight up hardcore match. Now I know that you come from an ECW background. You you love hardcore wrestling. I think that you you know you're you're a deathmatch fan, and I, and I appreciate ECW for for what it was. You know, I, I the thing that I liked the most about them was their storytelling. I didn't necessarily need all the blood or whatever, but. Um, so when I watched Edge and Randy Orton, I was just thinking to myself, man, I just wish that some of this was in the ring, you know, and it, and I, it was way too long. I mean, it the length is definitely was an issue. But what I I dug about it was the story going into it built to the point where Edge wanted a fight. And that's yeah. exactly yeah. what the match was. I didn't expect it to be a wrestling match. Yeah, I know. And, and you know what? Their, their emotion was awesome. You know, they... They, they, you could see the passion in there. You could see Randy Orton going in and being that cerebral heel. Um, and you would see Edge, you know, <laughs> being like, I really literally want to tear Randy Orton apart. Yes, you felt the, the anger. You felt the hate. Yeah, you did. Um, so for me, as I just said earlier, I think that for the two nights, my favorite match was Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. Uh, and I kind of, and I think I said that going in that I thought that that was going to be my favorite match. Um, I love Charlotte. I think Charlotte is probably one of, if not the best talent in WWE right now. Um, she is <laughs> beyond the shadow of a doubt, a first ballot hall of famer. Um, she is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Um, she's so, and, and, and the thing that impresses me about her is that she's been able to create her own identity that is not the daughter of Ric Flair. You know, there are elements, obviously, that have to be there because of her lineage, but she has created her persona the way that is uniquely hers. And I thought her and Rhea Ripley was just off the charts. Um, yes, it I, I do agree that 
great match. I'm just not happy with the outcome of it. I know. I know that. Uh, and I knew I knew you were going to pick that bone. Um, I, I, and, from and don't I get me wrong. I don't want to disparage Charlotte by any means. She's fantastic and well-deserving. But I just feel the story would have been better told if Rhea went over. I, If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, you know, forgive me if I am, but I'm pretty sure Rhea's hurt. It would uh, make sense. It would make it, sense. Yeah, I read something today that she was going to be off TV for quite some time. Could also be that she's like stuck in England with the with the COVID travel ban at this point. I don't know. Um, but she is supposed supposedly off TV for quite some time now. Maybe she was hurt, you know. But listen, having Charlotte as the champion in NXT, you know, it does it still does give legitimacy to their product. Um, but I agree with you. I, I would have liked to see Ripley go over, and she will. Rhea Ripley will be the one who takes the championship off of Charlotte. And maybe that maybe that's long-term storytelling. Maybe what they're trying to do is set up a situation. Because the thing is, if Charlotte had lost, you lose that come that that comeback. You know what I mean? You lose the I mean, unless you go, unless you go the route of saying, well, Charlotte's like, I, I can beat you. I want another shot, which is just a stupid story. Now, even though there's no rematch clause, maybe Rhea you know, <laughs> worms her way back in there or whatever. But I think that that's kind of where they're going with it. Oh, no, I could definitely see that being where it's going. And it's going to make more people tune in to NXT that maybe wouldn't have before, like the the younger audience that are diehard Charlotte fans. And they're like, ah, we don't care about NXT. Now she, she could possibly bring that many more fans. I see it from that point of view as well. I do. I just feel yeah, that's not, NXT. on the problem. Right. NXT would have just it would have come out of it so strong if it beat a main roster person in a title match. I know. I know. And, and, I, and I, and again, I wonder for all of these matches, I wonder what the outcomes would have been if they were in a normal situation, you know? I feel like they would have been the same because I feel, <laughs> but honestly, because I feel, you know, the smart play, if they changed it, would have been to have Drew lose. I know. I know. I, I said that last week. Um, he, do you want to talk about that match? I mean, we could. Yeah, let's talk about that match. Okay. So I will tell you this, that as soon as that match was over, I had already ordered. Actually, as soon as that match started, I had ordered his T-shirt because I just needed to have it. Um, and with that awesome sale of like buy one, get one for a dollar, I ended up ordering four shirts. Um, <laughs> which one? Which ones? Uh, I ordered the McIntyre shirt. I ordered the, the that like shiny version of the Undisputed Era. Now that I, I actually have every Undisputed Era shirt because I love them. You um, love them. I bought the Edge shirt, the You Know Me shirt. Yep. And then I bought the a Hollywood Rules shirt for Hogan. Nice. So and, and it cost me like fifty bucks. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar. The first thing I want to say about that match is Paul Heyman is the greatest talker in the history of the business, bar none, period, end of story. 100% agree with you. There is no person, and you know, there are other people that are up there. You can talk about your rocks. You can talk about your Mick Foley's. I mean, Foley 
you know, cut cut ridiculously good promos. I actually kind of throw Pillman into that mix. Um, Jake the Snake. There's so many people that you can put on that list. But and, and then and I always forget about Bobby Heenan, so I do want to give him his due. But Paul Heyman is the greatest talker in the history of wrestling, and Paul Heyman made the match between Brock and Drew that much more special. Yes, you. Yeah. He was able to to play a vital role in that match that that they needed yeah. in the circumstances they were put in for it. Yep, and it's funny because you can always hear him yelling because his his voice is you know at a at a tone that even when there's a crowd you can always hear him yelling and you can pretty much make out what he's saying. You know. Most oh, absolutely. Of the time. But to hear him yelling at Brock in that silent arena, it, I, I think it also sold the match. Um, and the look on his face when um, when Brock or sorry when Drew kicked out of the first F five, it's a one count. And oh I thought my it was, God. I, he, he was you know obviously shocked, but I thought it was really poignant that the announcers made a made a point of saying, "Man, he kicked out at one." You know. Oh, they they definitely and, pushed that the way they should have because them saying it, acknowledging it, means man, Drew's a monster. He is, and and in in the match was the match was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was a bunch of finishing moves. That's what a Brock Lesnar match is. Um, but what has happened now from the Royal Rumble through WrestleMania 36 and then beyond with the uh, we'll talk about the Big Show versus Drew McIntyre secret match afterwards. Right. Um, Brock or uh, Drew is a made man. And oh, 100%. He is the new big man in the company, the diesel per se, you know, that 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 larger than life character. And he's going to flourish. You mark my words. He is he is. I hate to use a stupid lame term of saying he's the total package, but but Drew has he's he's dug down deep. He went through all the trials and the tribulations that he went through. Um, what a, what a kind of wave his career has been, and I have all the confidence in the world that what they've done is you. I'm going to take that. I know this is going to be a bold statement, but I'm going to take this back to WrestleMania. Uh, oh my gosh. Was it 30? Yeah, it was 30, right? With, with, with Daniel Bryan. No, what was it? Was it 20, 20? When, when did, when did Undertaker lose to, oh my gosh. Under, when did Undertaker lose to Brock? Was that 30? It was 30. Okay, sorry. I thought it was. I was having a brain fart. I apologize. <laughs> but I think that that match, Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker, um, where Brock was made the man that night, that all, all everything that he's done, the the the, the ripping to shreds of John Cena at SummerSlam, um, the Suplex City creation, the all, all the matches that he's had with with Seth and with Roman, you know, all of that stuff now becomes even more valuable because what you've done is you've put Drew McIntyre over that guy and created a star that's going to propel you into the future for the first time in I mean, literally how long? And I don't want to say that Drew McIntyre is the new John Cena because that's not really what I'm getting at. 
what I'm saying is that there hasn't been any viable person to lead the company. Um, yeah, from a commercial standpoint, to be the guy. And, I mean, I know Roman was, but the crowd reacted so poorly to him that it didn't work. But Drew is now a person that the crowd will appreciate and Vince will appreciate. You know, it's funny. We had been saying for years, you know, you keep building Brock. You're feeding people to him. The Undertaker, John Cena, all these huge names, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. He's just everyone. Goldberg. And we kept going, who's going to beat him? Who's going to beat him? And then Roman does. And it's just like, oh, okay. But now that now that Drew beat him, it's like Seth did beat him. The Beast Slayer. Yeah, yeah. But. You've never really been like, wow, he he beat him. Like, he's the guy. Yep. And, and but now, but now it's, I mean, it's, you're exactly right. I mean, now, now Drew McIntyre is the guy. He is, and, and it's funny because now you're going to go, okay, Brock is off TV. You probably won't see Brock again, especially, you know, with the current world situation. I imagine you won't see Brock again till SummerSlam, right? For a long, right? long time. So now, and I think that that's why they brought the big show in, um, you know, because they're like, all right, well, now what, you know? Um, And I'm sure that that's not going to be a long feud, but I mean, where do you see Drew going? I mean, what's the natural feud for you? Oh, Drew needs to immediately start hindering the gender. Oh, of course. <laughs> no, Triple honestly, threats with Heath Slater. <laughs> yes, the three. He's got kids, bro. Got kids. <laughs> um, well, first, before all of that, I hope after he won that title in the match at WrestleMania, I hope he walked in the back, threw the belt at Vince and went, you made a huge mistake ten or eight years ago, whatever it was now, because he got let go. They let him go, and he built himself back up and said, look at me now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually stop and disagree with you. Vince McMahon believed, I mean, from everything that I've ever read or heard, Vince McMahon believed in Drew, and Drew didn't. It's like John Cena said in that promo when he was when, with his recent feud with Bray Wyatt. It's like, you have to go the extra mile and make yourself, and I don't think that Drew, I think Drew was young. I don't think he knew what he was doing. And I think that when they let him go, he was like, yeah. Like, you probably should let me go. And I don't think that he went back there and threw the belt at anybody. I think he went back there and said, thanks for believing in in me and giving me the tools to fix myself. I mean, that's uh, that's the way that I I think it went. But he he needed the tools to fix himself because of 3MB. There was no coming back from that gimmick. That's true. I mean, but did he I guess the argument is, did he put himself there? I mean, who knows? But he got let go. And yes, it made him a better person. I'm sure, obviously, he did not throw the belt at McMahon. I'm sure he went back and said, thanks for the opportunity, boss. Like, you're the best. And Vincent, get out of here, you son of a bitch. But I'll tell you what. He did you did you I mean, did you feel him like he was reaching out to the to the camera? And then I heard the last thing that he said as he went off the air. He's like, you're all here with me. And I, I welled up. I did. I was like, I felt, I felt it. Like, I felt like this is, I felt like real true emotion for the first time with wrestling in a long time. Absolutely. And this, well, this, 
moment will be captured forever. Even yep. if he is a terrible champion or a good champion, he will be remembered forever because of what this WrestleMania main event was. I kind of hope that the first feud that he has is Adam Cole. I kind of think it would be awesome for, or I'm sorry, what I mean is I kind of hope that the first feud that Adam Cole has when he comes to Raw, which I don't even know if that or, uh, will ever happen, but if he did, having Undisputed Era be the one to like surround the ring the same way that they did when Drew won the title from, uh, from um, Bobby Roode. Um, you know, glorious. Yeah, remember that? It was we were there for that. Um, yeah, we were. But yeah, I think that it would be kind of cool to see that. But anyway, um, I digress. Uh, we talked a little bit about Braun Strowman and Goldberg. Obviously, the right move to make. But it just uh, goes to show you that. It just goes to show you that, you know, the plan was Goldberg loses the title. That's it. That's all. They just needed a warm body in that position to be the one to take it. Yeah. What I read today was that Goldberg pushed really hard at the last minute to beat the Fiend, which makes me like him zero. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He from what I read, he he was not beating him. This whole thing was meant for Bray to beat him, to build him up. And Vince was, or Vince or whoever, was convinced that they needed the star power of Goldberg for that show. And that was the only way he was going to do it. He, like, he politicked his way to the belt. Yeah, I mean, he 100% did because he had all the cards. One of the sheiks wanted him, and Vince does whatever they want. Yep. Um... So, I mean, right now, good riddance. I'm sure I'll mark out when I see him again, but for, you know, for now, whatever, good riddance. It's, I think, Braun, I'm happy for Braun. I'm super happy for Braun. I don't think it's anywhere near as meaningful as McIntyre. I don't think that Braun is the face of the company. I think that he will lose that title either to, to Roman or to someone who will drop it to Roman as soon as it's safe, you know? Right. It's just, um, he's, I just hope, that he's super successful with it because they pulled the plug on his push right as he should have been getting that title like two years ago, year and a half ago, whatever yeah. it is now. And he was so close and it was so it, and it was believable that he would he would win it. He get these hands like it was huge. And then nothing. Yeah. I have I have no problem with him. I think that he's great. Um, I think he's he, a little boring. Sometimes sometimes he is. Yeah, but that's not you know, necessarily a really bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, obviously. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about, um, yeah, okay. We'll do, we'll do this now. The next thing I want to talk about is, and this will tie into Braun is I want to talk about Firefly Funhouse. I want to talk about Bray Wyatt and John Cena. Let's do it. Let's Um, do it. So, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It was so good. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, hands down, one of my top five favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Yeah, like easily. It was. It was just so creative and fun and. The thing that I appreciate the most out of it is that feud's not done. No, and it, and it makes me want more of The Undertaker, which has not happened in a long oh, time. 
we're 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 talking about two different matches. <laughs> oh, that is not one of my top five matches then. No, we're, we're, I was talking Firefly Funhouse um, because that ties to the SmackDown side um, of things. Okay, well, that is it's a it, all right. I'll, I'll start with saying it's a great, awesome, ridiculous match. Definitely not my top five. No, we're gonna yeah, we'll talk about Boneyard last because that deserves to go on last today as our main event. Um, but Firefly Funhouse was so fun, it was so creative, and it and it keeps the feud for John Cena and Bray Wyatt going. And it doesn't put it to rest. And I think that that's necessary for WWE right now. Oh, no, 100 percent. You you need that moving forward. It was it was like an acid trip. It was crazy. It really was. It was all mind games and it was all weird and it was awesome. But let me tell you what I think it does. I think that what it does is it. I mean, listen, there is no argument to be made that the fiend is the most over character that wwe has created in you know lord knows how long and what they've done is for the longest time and i know you and i have had this conversation in the past and i know i think wrestling fans you know far and wide have had this conversation will they ever be able to duplicate the undertaker is the undertaker a once in a lifetime talent and the answer to that question is yes yes of course but, but, the Firefly Funhouse solidifies a number of things. Number one, that Bray Wyatt is an absolute genius. That he is on par with those great talkers that we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, Jake the Snake, uh, all of those great promos. But you've created a character now with The Fiend that while it's not The Undertaker and it will never be The Undertaker, is this generation's uh, incarnation of a character that has the ability and the longevity to survive anything that they throw at it. And we whined and we complained to each other and to the chat and to the internet about how Goldberg should have never gone over. It's going to kill the fiend. Um, and I agree again that Goldberg should have never gone over, but it didn't kill the fiend. It doesn't even freaking matter. And that's what's so cool about it. Right. It, no, it definitely is. And they can get weird with it. If they, they just it's it's awesome to have that weirdness to play with sometimes. Sure, sure. And that's where The Undertaker was great because it was so crazy. The man died, got resurrected. Yeah. Like, yep. and and we all bought it. And it was, it's, it bring, you're right. It brings you back to a, a point where you're literally going to suspend your disbelief on what's possible and enjoy yep. something weird. Yep. So, but what, I guess the time that I was trying to make, also, did you love the match or did you hate the match or what? I, I loved the match. Okay. Hashtag um, Bray Wyatt. Fisted WrestleMania. <laughs> I also read that that was the actual fist from uh, from SmackDown, like the act from the actual set. Yeah, and what I really dug about it was, you know, it really, yes, it did so much to push to push Wyatt and the Fiend as this monster manipulator mind game freak show, but it also paid a lot of tribute to John Cena, which was really kind of cool. 
It was. It was it was a very well thought and I, and I would be interested in, you know, I'm sure at some point in time someone's going to do a podcast and we're going to find out whose mind that came from. I'm sure it partially came from Bray because I, I don't doubt that for one second. And I'm sure John had, you know, had a input into it, too. But I really would be curious to see whose creation that was. Oh, absolutely. Um, but what I was going to do is I was going to tie that to Braun Strowman is that at any given point, um, literally, just like The Undertaker, I think at any given point going forward, you're going to you're going to be able to see Bray Wyatt as or The Fiend, I apologize, as Universal Champion again. And he's the type of, you know, we've talked about it so many times in the past, characters who just don't need a belt or can survive anything. And that's the mark of a great performer. And that's where we're at with The Fiend. He he transcends. It doesn't even matter now see, because he's had that loss. You know, he did lose to Goldberg. It doesn't even matter if he loses because he can come back the next night and immediately get heat and do something freaky and you'll forget about the fact that he lost a match. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's another comparison to The Undertaker. You know, he never needed the title. You look at the amount of title reigns he had in comparison to a lot of these other guys and it's it's kind of embarrassing at the level because Undertaker is on such a next level. But it's it's the character. You're right. It carries you. They don't need to be in the main event storyline. They don't they could be in the middle of they could be for months and years in the middle of the card and then immediately get called up to the big show and and hold their own. Yep. Yep. So we'll obviously like you said, we're gonna we'll close with the Boneyard match. Um Listen, with all the gems that WWE put on for WrestleMania 36, there was a lot of stinkers. And the one, to me, that was a really, really boring match was Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. It was very boring until the last five minutes. It, I mean, that's one of the things that I talked about um, in the first place. Um last week when we were talking about this match okay well it, it's one of those matches that needs to have the crowd and I, I like I, I literally remember saying <laughs> verbatim um, I can't help but think that I would care about this match more if the crowd was going to be there to react to it um, I think that that's something that Kevin Owens needs yeah but it's weird because he came from a place where you didn't have that I know but the, the way that the, the turn that his character has taken I don't know. Um, so, to, you know, we'll run run down the rest of this, and then we'll 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 close the last you know fifteen minutes or so with uh, talking about the Boneyard match. But so obviously, you know, there was the the title change for the women, uh, a little bit fitting that the the people that the or the, sorry the, the ladies that the that uh, the Kabuki Warriors won the titles from uh, were the ones who were able to beat them for it. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross that match. Listen, it it's hard to. It was exactly what you anticipated it being. Yeah, it's you know it would have been better with the crowd. That I'm saying sure. I'm not going to say it was bad, but it's definitely not in the upper echelon of matches on its own night. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Cesaro and Drew Gulak. Listen, I, I don't, I don't like his name, but Drew Gulak is one of the best freaking ring technicians in the world. And, and so is Cesaro. So is Cesaro. So the match was world class. You know, it is what it is. 
Right. It it, sp- it spoke for itself. It was a pre-show match with no build, you know. Um, Elias and King Corman, like when Elias's guitar strummed, you were waiting for the crowd to react. Corman right. reacted, and it was it was lame. I mean, listen, it was lame. Um, I do I do want to talk a little bit about Becky and Shayna. Um, were you surprised at the outcome? Very, very, very surprised. I thought, listen, I mean, for the longest time, I thought for sure that the heir apparent to Becky Lynch was going to be Shanna Baszler. And now I don't think it is. I have a feeling and maybe I'm wrong, but my feeling sitting here in April is that come August at SummerSlam. Can can you guess what I think that the the Raw Women's Championship match is going to be? Baszler goes over. No, I think that the Raw Women's Championship match at SummerSlam is going to be Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. Ugh, stop it. I, I know you hate her, but I think that that's the fact that Shayna didn't go over Becky to me. Uh, you know, given the fact that Drew went over Brock means maybe they're done with her. I mean, maybe she isn't going to dethrone Becky and I'm okay with it. I was really, I was kind of getting upset when, when the match was going on. I'm like, man, I really hope Becky doesn't lose. And then she won and I was like, all right, great. This is awesome. (laughs) Um, but I, I'm with you. I was surprised in the Uh, way that though, it just, it ended the feud. It's done. Becky won. There was no, there's nowhere to go after it with that same feud anymore. I mean, yeah, I mean, Becky beat her. And right. that's, again, that's fine. I love Becky Lynch and she can do whatever she wants as far as I'm concerned. So um, I do think that that's where they're going to go. Uh, unless, they, unless they're going to go Nia Jax. I don't know. Um, who obviously well, I, made Nia Jax should return. Yeah. You know, well, you know, Nia Jax would be a good threat. But at this point, it's got to be someone big. It's got to yeah. be. Which is why it's going to be Ronda Rousey. You watch. Or maybe you see it be like Aria Ripley gets called up. Who knows well, what would happen tonight? Yeah, and Bianca Belair did or, make her way make, make her way over there too, attacking uh, Zelina Vega. So I do not feel Bianca Belair is in any capacity to be in the SummerSlam main event, bro. No, of course. I, I do. I really do. I mean, I, you mark my words. I'm telling you, Ronda Rousey will be back before 2020 is over. Oh, no, she definitely will. But I could see, like, I... I think what most upsets me about all of this is the raw after mania. Oh, I know. Because Which we lost. I bet you you might have seen Rhea attack Beckley, Becky on um on Raw as the new But you know what though? It almost doesn't matter because you know what's gonna happen? The first live show with a crowd is gonna be the Raw after WrestleMania. It's gonna be the Raw after COVID. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, all of that big stuff, I feel like it's going to happen then. Oh no, absolutely. And you just hope it gets here quicker sooner rather than later. Cause they need something at this point. Oh, I know. I know. Um, what did you uh, think of the ladder match itself? We touched on it earlier, but we didn't, I didn't get your stance on it. Um, okay. So weirdly quiet. Yes, clearly. Um, like you hear you hear the ladder and stuff, which is weird. It was strange. Um, I, I thought that the match was okay. I thought, listen, John Morrison. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, or, let me finish that thought. I think John Morrison is great. I'm happy to see him back in WWE. I, I like him a lot. Now I want to back up a little bit. 
I didn't like how many times they said the word parkour style. Like, come on. We, we get it. He can yeah. do parkour. We don't need to hear you say that. <laughs> like parkour. 35 times in the course parkour. of that. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, who was it? It was Andy. It and, was Andy and Dwight and Steve. Or and Michael. Seth, Michael, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, office reference, hashtag. Um, <laughs> so I thought the match was okay. I thought Kofi... You know, shines as always. Um, Jimmy Uso did a did an okay job, but it's it's very obvious that he needs his tag team partner. Um, he they, they are tag team wrestlers to the T. The definition. Yeah, sure. There can be no one no Jimmy without Jay. It just it can't happen. Yeah, I agree. The, I thought the finish was creative. Um, when Morrison fell and he had the belt, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> right. Um, you know, so that it was a creative finish, which is which is exactly what you can ask for in that situation. And obviously, and, this would have been much different. This was not their plan. They had to scramble to make it work. And and I appreciate that they gave us something. Right, and, it, and I think it was the right length. It was, you know, like I said, one again, one of those situations where you're like, well, it it was what it was, and and that's that, you know. Absolutely. Um, I thought. Sami Zayn and uh, and uh, Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental title was awesome. I loved having all the people around the ring. I yep. love Sami Zayn is so funny and so creative and such a great wrestler, you know? Right. And I like that they're finally showing his his charisma, like it or not, like showing him having a personality other than the guy that hangs out with Kevin Owens. Well, exactly. And he's, and, and listen, he's, he's putting on the persona of being a chicken shit heel and it works, you know? Right. Um, it, it, so well, <laughs> I mean, really it works so well. And I think that he's going to, going to be in for a pretty lengthy run. And I think that Daniel Bryan, it's funny because you could tell that Daniel Bryan was trying really hard not to laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. And uh, and I think that the uh, what is it the artist consortium or whatever it is that they call that group, um, it's cool. Like I think that it works, and it's funny because we talked about it being like the stable that nobody wanted. Um, but after seeing it in the WrestleMania setting, I'm like, you know what? Like I, I, I dig this. It's it's okay. You know. No, I still hate it because I love Nakamura, and the fact that he is playing second fiddle to fiddle to Sami Zayn bothers me. Listen. If we're going to be real, it's the same reason that Asuka didn't get over is the same reason that Nakamura is not getting over because WWE is so reliant upon upon promo to to further their stories and their English just isn't good enough to do that, which is why it has worked so well with Sammy and Nakamura. It's just not the version of Nakamura. Maybe we necessarily want, you know, it's where I wish Nakamura will go to uh, AEW. He would shine there. Yep. Um, The last thing I want to touch on, like, you know, Street Profits, whatever, the match was okay. Awesome theory. There was no, no one cared about that match. No. And it's funny because they wrestled the same match like five times now. And they did the social distancing uh, plancha. Yeah, exactly. Or tope, whatever (laughs) they call it. Um... But I do want to talk about Becky. Becky, I do want to talk about the uh, the five the five way match 
match with uh, Bailey and Sasha. Kind of um, really surprised at the outcome. No, yeah, not at all the outcome that I was expecting. Tamina. What? Should have won the match. Oh, I was like, what match did you watch? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, she should have. I was trying to be funny. I think that uh, <laughs> she should oh, thank have. You. I mean, thank you for that. Thank you. Just just go. Just, just keep talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, listen, I mean, it made Bailey look really strong. Um, clearly, clearly, clearly they are going towards Sasha and Bailey, which is fine by me. Um, I bought Lacey Evans had a solid match. I didn't think it was Naomi's best. Um, it's hard to wrestle a five-way match, listen, you know, and especially being in a no-crowd situation. I get it. I get it. But it right. just, it wasn't what I had hoped it would be. Um, oh, absolutely. But, you know, it, it, it was fine. And I think that I like the way that they'll be able to go going forward. But... As we approach the main event of our show, we will talk about what may go down in history as one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Paul Ziggler versus Otis. Uh, no, I was actually going to say the Liv Morgan match, but yeah, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, Ziggler and Otis, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that a different day, too, because that's... Or maybe we just won't. Yeah, maybe not. Um, <laughs> the Undertaker... Versus AJ Styles in a boneyard match, um, you know, being sensitive to the fact that I didn't want to call it a graveyard match during COVID-19. Listen, but I, I don't move. think it was a graveyard match. I mean, no, it was. I mean, that's what I'm pretty sure Pritch said on Pritch. Pritch. That's not what I call him. Bruce <laughs> um, <laughs> said on something to wrestle this past week. He was like, we made it a boneyard match because. We don't want to say the word graveyard. It's the same reason right. that people go to a medical facility and not a hospital, you know. But I feel like by them changing the name made them change what the idea of the match would have been. True, because Boneyard to me sounds more like biker-ish than it does um, Undertaker-ish. Oh, and he is fully back to being big evil, bro. Well, he's clearly the American badass, however... No, he's the American paranormal investigator now. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that that may be the Undertaker's last match. I honestly don't want it to be because this made me go. If they did one of these every year at WrestleMania until the year he dies, I would watch the crap out of it. <laughs> I actually, it's funny because you, you, you kind of crave more Undertaker now that he's back to the mean Mark Biker gimmick. Um, right. Cause it, and I feel like maybe that's the way you go out in your, in your career, like being more yourself, you know? You didn't feel sad watching this. Yeah. Except yeah. when he was grunting and groaning like a 900 <laughs> year old man. I know. Uh, At one point, I thought he was literally taking his last breath. My favorite, my favorite part about all of this is Undertaker calling AJ Allen over and over and over again, <laughs> repeatedly calling him Allen. <laughs> when when he appeared behind him after he put him in the grave, I was like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" I love that every single person has um, to teleport. Everyone has to teleport now. Yeah, well, because Matt Hardy did it, so now everyone has to do it. Yes, and I love it every second, every single time it happens, I love it. I heard it took eight hours to film it. Yeah, that's what I read, eight hours, and it took over a week, like about a week to build the set. 
there was no uh no appearance of Kane or anyone else, which I think is fine, you know, given knowing the ending of the match now, but I kept waiting for it. The only only issue I had is when they dropped the barn doors, when Gallows and Anderson dropped the barn doors and all the druids came out. Undertaker beat. We know how old he is. We know that this isn't a supernatural gimmick like he used to have. He's just a biker dude. And I really feel like he might, he maybe should have had two people with him to, for the actual Trinity that he talked about. Yeah. I mean, the Druids came out and I went, oh no. Right. I'm thinking, oh, if he doesn't have someone help him, it's going to be just The Undertaker beating up 400 people, and it's just not believable. But it's a small nitpick that I had. I just feel like he maybe should have had the APA or Kane with him. Or something, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I, we had postulated last week what, you know, who could possibly be going with him. But, listen, it was sheer perfection. They they made it. They, they, it's you know, they, what do they do? Life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. They made vodka-filled lemonade. That's gonna be the life of the party for the rest of all eternity because it was so good. Yes, it was perfect. It everything from start to finish. And I'm watching it at first. I'm like, wow, this is really weird. But then the Undertaker made his entrance. Oh man, when he came in on that motorcycle with Metallica blaring, it was on. And. It, it's funny because somebody said to me, oh, well, that kills AJ. No, it doesn't. Nothing. AJ is so far beyond taking a loss to The Undertaker, hurting his career that it doesn't, you know, he he's going to be just fine, guys. Don't worry. He's um, also 42 years old. Right. Which is, you know, I mean, listen. It, AJ it Styles was, is 42 years old. Yes. So we have to say that one more time just to make sure. <laughs> Check the archives. We got to make sure we said it last week, too. Yeah. Um, I think that he he's he's going to be just fine. I think the OC gimmick is going to be just fine. Oh, 100%. I, think he, I think that he can go out there and run his mouth about the Undertaker match for for until he retires, and it ain't even going to matter. You know what I mean? Like he he can he can use it to further his career, being angry angry and bitter about whatever because he lost to the Undertaker and he buried him in some dirt. You know. Honestly, though, the Undertaker hugging him at that the weird bro hug that they had, but telling him, you know, you fought hard, kid. You give me the hardest fight I've had in a, in a long time. Like that actually did really make AJ look strong before he. Big booted him into the pit and then buried him. Yeah, very uh, reminiscent to me of that Jeff Hardy ladder match for the world title um, on Raw in like 02. Yes, absolutely. Like super, super like that. Listen, it's another conversation for another day, but AJ Styles, you know, but okay, goes without saying that Undertaker is like the Hall of Famer. There's no, you know, there's not, it's not even a question. But to me, the same conversation can be had about AJ Styles. For this short run that he has had in WWE, I don't think that anyone has accomplished more um, than he has in his entire career uh, with WWE uh, in, in that right. short amount of time. And I think that nothing, you know, nothing can harm his career at this point. Oh, God, no. It's not, this is not going to hurt him, this loss. It was what needed to be done. And taking an L to the Undertaker, that's a good thing on your resume at WrestleMania. Yep. He's up there with really good company of people that have lost Undertaker at WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like King Kong, Bundy, Mark Henry, <laughs> um, Jimmy Stewart. Shawn Michaels, 13 years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. 
you know, well, so overall, I I grade WrestleMania as as an A. I have to. I don't think that it would be fair to do anything other than that to grade it. You know, it's graded on a curve because of the you know the way that the the world is right now. But at the end of the day. It was an amazing two nights to be able to get lost in wrestling, which is why we all love this, which is why we all spend all of our time and our money on on this, uh, as uh, Tony would say, our uh, our great sport. Um, um, I would give it a B minus. Really? Yeah. I don't think it was an A by any means. Well, then I you're liked- fine from the show. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I liked far more than I disliked, but the things that I disliked, I really disliked. But did you dislike it like worse of the stupid crap at all the other WrestleManias? You know what I mean? Like there's stupid crap at every WrestleMania. Yeah, but like, I don't know. There was just a lot that was okay, but that, you know, the world title match lasting 38 seconds and feeling like a joke really turns me off. I know. But what what else are they going to do with Braun Strowman and Goldberg in an empty arena? You know what I mean? Just because they made the best out of the situation doesn't mean I have to like it. Uh, I guess you can you can, <laughs> take, you can take that stance if you need to. I'm not um, saying it was a bad overall. It was a bad show, but I, I don't think it was an A. All right. Hey, fair enough. You're allowed to have your opinion. I know people who would give it an F, right? Um, I 100% know people that would give it an F. So I think that now we look to the future and we say, well, (laughs) here's to hoping that we can get back to normal wrestling, you know, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Raw was good for what it was. Another, you know, kind of hybrid show there. It's what you expected. Short, short, shortened versions of matches. Yeah, but I mean, listen, we did get a return. We got the long-awaited return of Nia Jax. Been waiting for her for a long time. Yep, yep. And um, she looked good. And interesting to see her using the, um, the uh, what the heck is her move called? She was using Paige's finisher. I, I apologize if the, the name escapes me, but I did read on Twitter that that uh, Paige did gift her that move and said, you know, please use it. So she did use it, <clears throat> which is nice because I'm pretty sure Nia was using a Samoan drop. She was. Which is pretty benign, you know, all things considered in today's WWE or in, even in today's pro wrestling. She in should general. do the people's elbow. <laughs> Missed opportunity if she doesn't going forward. That's that's how I feel. Uh, So like we said, uh, hopefully next week when we're back with you, um, it'll be following Monday Night Raw. We will have had another canned episode of um, SmackDown. We'll we will have had AEW again, NXT, which should be phenomenal because it's Champa and uh, and Johnny Gargano in that. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're calling it an, an empty arena match, and they're doing that ladder match for the number one contender for the women's like, title. How many times do I need to get excited about that match? Champa and Gargano. <laughs> yeah, all the time because it's fucking awesome. Sorry, no, it is, but <laughs> we've seen it like 400 times now. I don't care. You can show me that match until I'm blue in the face. That match, I don't even care. They're so they're so talented. Oh, uh, I am not taking away. It will be a good match. But honestly, how many times? Like, is there nothing else? Champion Gargano is one of the best stories that's been told in wrestling in 
forever, you know? Um, definitely the best story to ever come out of NXT. But it doesn't and, need to be told anymore. Uh, each their own, I suppose. But. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think finally next week we'll be able to touch on AEW uh, and kind of delve into it. Um, maybe we'll run down any big news stories. But what I kind of want to do is talk about NXT as a whole from its creation going forward and, you know, its promise and all that, if that's uh, if that's cool with you. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, again, thank you for being with us uh, for our second episode. We hope that you enjoyed WrestleMania. We hope that everybody is staying safe, um, staying sane. Um, you know, just uh, stay home. The, long- the longer you stay home, the, the quicker this is uh, is going to all go away and we can get back to doing some live stuff and uh, getting ourselves into a better place in the world. So um, stay home and watch the big to- show. Show. Oh yeah, watch the big show show. We'll talk about that next week. You yes, and I will. about it off the air, but um. So please uh, don't forget to like uh, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That is the place that we are live currently. Uh, we will be going up to um, Spotify and Google Podcasts within the next week, and we'll let you know. Um, when that is up and running right now, you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Nearfall, Nearfall Wrestling, and uh, give us a like over there, too. We'd really appreciate it. And you'll get your news for there. The website will be live, hopefully, within the within the next calendar week, hopefully by the time we get back on the air. Um, anything you want to close with, Johnny? No, just leave reviews, likes, responses. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. I'm sure there's a lot you don't like, but who knows? Let us know, and we will try to make it better for you. Fantastic. All right. Well, Johnny, thanks for uh, being with me tonight. And uh, I appreciate everything that you're uh, you're doing, making time out of your schedule to do this show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to all of our loyal fans and listeners, as we say here, have a week. Have a week.